Good morning and welcome to Friday morning, October the 28th in 2022 on Win Our Eyes. Today we come to the end of year C, proper week 26, which is the 21st Sunday after Pentecost. And on the Friday of the week, we'd like to take a look at the, at the gospel passage, which comes to us from this week from the Revised Common Lectionary in this week of the church's calendar year. And so we find ourselves, you guessed it, back in the gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. So let me read that passage, provide a couple points for reflection, and then we'll spend our time praying along the theme that we find there. Thanks for making us part of your morning on When I Rise. Let's allow our souls to rise and meet God together in a time of prayer. Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be a guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house. Because this man too is a son of Abraham, but the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. This is the word of God for us. Matters of things like faith and culture and politics and education can be so complicated when we try to take into account all the helpful uh, sources that could weigh in on the matters of all those big things. And so at times what we do as human beings, because we want to like, I don't have some sort of a sense of that thing, that big complicated thing so that we can talk about it and so that we can seek to offer suggestions. Uh, we try to, we try to reduce it. And sometimes in the reducing of something, we might lose something that's vital, right? Uh, but we look for a miniature, something where we could say the Christian faith is something like this, or the state of American politics is kind of like this, or the state of education is kind of like something I saw on the TV the other day, right? So we try to like reduce it so we can talk about it. Um, as I was looking through some uh, resources on Luke 19, just so I don't say the same old stuff again and again, I came across this cool description from N.T. Wright, um, Bishop of Durham, priest in the Anglican Church, New Testament scholar on both Jesus and Paul. He sees this story with Zacchaeus, uh, which Luke's the only one who records it, as a way of Luke giving what Israel kind of looks like in miniature. Uh, he Zacchaeus represents just how complicated uh, the Israelite people are during Jesus' day. This is what he says. Zacchaeus stands for the ambiguity of Judaism of Jesus' day. Compromised with Rome, yet conscious of status. Aware of a need for renewal, yet clinging to ways of living which made that renewal impossible. Children of Abraham, yet lost. So this is what Israel looks like. They're aware of the religion. 
but they do things that undercut the, the power and the progress of their religion. And so just like Zacchaeus, who is searching for answers, climbing tall trees, trying to fill in the gaps for his own life, um, Israel was the same way. And uh, many of them looked past Jesus, but some stopped to stay and to look and to gaze and to, um, and to honor him and to uh, show hospitality in their homes. And because of that, their life was transformed. Notice what happens when Zacchaeus spends time with Jesus. We don't, we, we know that probably the time amount that Jesus spent with Zacchaeus, we don't know exactly what is said. We just know a couple of things. Number one, we know how scandalous this activity was for Jesus to stay with this chief tax collector and wealthy person. The onlookers did not approve. So here's Jesus doing something that the masses didn't quite want to get, right? We also know that in the short amount of time that Jesus spent with Zacchaeus, something happened. We don't know what Jesus said. We don't know all that they discussed. But we do know that Zacchaeus comes to a place where he he seems to know that he has to make some changes. He makes this great, incredible vow that he wants to give away at least half of what he owns to people that he has stolen from. And the amount that he's taken from someone he wants to give back four times that amount, not just to get square with them, but to go even further. And we know the response that Jesus gives, that salvation has come to this house because this one is a child of Abraham. Now, what makes Zacchaeus a child of Abraham? That is probably the, the most vibrant discussion around the story. Is because he happened to be born in the people of Israel. I mean, that would land him in the classification in the category of being a child of Abraham. He can trace his descendants all the way back to the patriarchs, all the way back to Father Abraham. Therefore, he's an heir of the promise. Or is it because when he heard the good news, he decided to make changes and to vow to be different? Um, It seems like there could be a mixture of the two, but it certainly is more apparent that the second of him, because of his response to the presence and to uh, the call of Jesus, that he wanted to make changes. This makes you think about um, something that we have in religious circles now. We have this conversation about how the church can be the church, but also maybe has missed the mark in some ways. Like maybe we're kind of like um, Zacchaeus was or who Zacchaeus representative to Israel, right? I mean, Zacchaeus is, if he's in Israel in miniature um, and we see how complicated his life is, we understand that there's complicated things in Israel. Maybe there's complicated things in the church as well. Maybe they're like the modern expression and projection of the church is both good and under construction at the same time. Maybe we are children of the promise and lost at the same time. Uh, There was a book by Rob Bell several years ago that said, Jesus wants to save Christians. And this obviously a provocative title, but there's something actually theologically square about that. Um, A New Testament scholar once said, if you were to ask the Apostle Paul if he's saved, we look at the the teachings of Paul in the New Testament, he would say yes, no, and not yet, all at the same time. Paul did tell the Philippian church that that we needed to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Like there's a sense where we are saved when we make our good confession on Christ, but we're also being saved. We're, we're getting born again and born again and born again as we go. There are many things that people might say, well, how are we like Zacchaeus trying to find our way, like kind of found and lost at the same time? How are we found and how are we lost? 
well, you ask a hundred different preachers, hundred different theologians, hundred different armchair theologians, and people who participate in the church, you get a hundred different answers. But one thing that I see is just how comfortable modern American Christians are getting with our bitterness. Uh, something that um, I think it's one of the editorials of the Washington, one of the editors of the Washington Post, Peggy Noonan. She said one of the unfortunate things about our political discourse these days is that we're proud of our bitterness. Um, I think if we were to talk to a handful of church people and ask, you know, what are you grieving about? What are you, what's getting your blood boiling at this time? I think that we'd see that um, we're not blushing at the ways which we can be vengeful, air grievances, uh, to be petty and negative and even um, unhospitable, inhospitable at times. But that doesn't quite square with the gospel. Remember, like the the basic teaching of Jesus, the one that's basic and the most advanced version of the teaching of Jesus is to love our neighbors as ourselves. The thing that sets us off more apart from everyone else, if we want to be included in Christ, is that we love our neighbors as we love ourselves. That we have this new commandment, Jesus says, which is to love one another as I have loved you. And by this, people will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. And one of the things that Dallas Willard taught his students is to ask the question, am I becoming more or less loving these days? Um, Perhaps we know where we're at on that spectrum of being lost and yet found at the same time. We can approach some of our lostness deeper than our own selves. We ask that question, how loving have I become recently? Is it less or is it more in this newest season of my life? So a lot of things to consider here. What we have is a, is a benevolent savior, the one who's willing to spend time with us, just like he did with Zacchaeus. He could have picked anyone out of that crowd, but he sought the lost one and he wanted to straighten him out, and he did. In the same way, Jesus roams around among his people today. And for those of us who are willing to climb the tall sycamore tree in order to get a better look, the one who responds to his invitation of hospitality, that's the one who will be transformed and changed. And I don't know about you. But I know I need some changes made in my life today. Perhaps you and I would agree that as we approach the time of prayer this morning is that we need to spend some time with Jesus. And as we do so, we will be rescued from some of the places that are lost within us. So with that in mind, let's spend some time praying to our God this morning. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we thank you that we're on a journey of transformation with you. You're going to carry to completion that what you started. And we understand that transformation happens when we confess, uh, when we acknowledge that we need your help once more. And God, we hear the truth of Scripture today, which tells us that we continue to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. There's, There's a grace that's involved. There's an effort that's involved. And so with your grace, we vow to put our effort towards it. Uh, we thank you for the story of Zacchaeus, uh, someone that you sought after, uh, someone who made room for you, and as he digested all that you said and all that it meant, uh, decided to take some action. God, we've heard the gospel. We have responded to your goodness in the past. We respond to it once more, and we acknowledge that there is lostness within us, that we need to be born again and born again. And so as we come to you once again, we pray that you would Show mercy to us, that your kindness would lead us to our repentance. And if there's any way about us that is misshapen, 
out of the pattern of the gospel or the way of life that you desire for your people, that it would be illuminated by your Holy Spirit and that there be power in our lives today to choose a different way. And so God, we thank you that you are fixing us as you are fixing the world around us. And so allow us to be the recipient of that great grace, but also now the conduit of that great grace into the world around us so that we could see the world transformed as our lives are being transformed. God, we love you this day. Start with us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey there, friends. While I have you, just a couple more things. I'm trying to do this about every other Friday or so, but uh, I just want to thank you for listening to When I Rise and that we can pray together, study together in the mornings. Um, if you like and review the podcast, it pushes it out there just a little bit further for someone who might be looking for just a morning study and prayer time. So feel free to do that in your podcast app of choice. And then last but not least, I do have a Patreon page, which uh, elicits some support for those who would like to support the podcast Podcast at just $5 a month. A bit of that goes to help developing the podcast like with gear and equipment and stuff like that. And the other bit of it goes to supporting things out there like we've given to Charity Water. Um, I'm directing funds uh, to St. Jude before I run the St. Jude race this December. So if you'd like to support the podcast, you're looking, just itching for a way uh, to support because you've enjoyed it. Um, feel free. There's a link in the show notes uh, to the Patreon page. And uh, I thank you for thinking of it ahead of time. So have a great weekend and I'll see you on Monday.